Good evening. Now, why did I begin the podcast like I was Mr. Burns from The Simpsons and speaking like that? Well, if you're listening to this around the time that it airs, Halloween is tomorrow or really soon. Um, but if you're listening to this after the fact, then never mind. I, I just was trying to start us out with a nice creepy vibe. But I did choose to do this album, classic album in particular, because of the time of year. I was trying to think of something that left me with a little bit of a, a spooky vibe. And this album definitely comes to mind, especially if you've seen my videos before. But let's not waste any more time. Let's get into the show. Let's get into the album because there's a lot to cover. And I know you want to talk about it. So it's time Time to talk about Undertow by Tool. Let's go. Things are gonna change, I feel it. It's just gonna be that kind of fight, Emma. Water Yes, 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 Tool, Tool. I bet many of you were wondering, when was I going to cover Tool, a very important uh, band from this era and still going to this day? What an impact they made on all of us. And um, Tool fans will get you in the comments about uh, talking about this or that, or you missed this, or you misunderstood that. So I am just going to say this out of the gate. I am a music lover and a fan. I am not a historian, so if I get things wrong, I probably will. And you're more than welcome to say it in the comments and and correct me, um, those who know it way better than I do. But I wanted to give you at least my experience of this album and the time, uh, which has been 30 years. 30 years since this album came out. Um, but before we get into that, I want to tell you about DistroKid, the sponsor of the show. So make sure you're checking out my link that I include in the bio and in the links for this episode. If you click that link, it's my special VIP link. It's distrokid.com slash VIP slash waterproof. And if you click that link, you get 30% off your first year of uploading your music. And that takes it everywhere to YouTube, Spotify, Apple Music, you name it, it's out there. And they make it super easy for you. So I highly recommend it. I use them. Um, it's amazing. They have an app. They can show you, you know, just where your music is streaming, how often you can find your revenue, you can get paid, you can Split, uh, if you're doing collaborations with other artists, you can make sure that they're getting their fair share. It's just very easy. So you don't have any excuses anymore. It's time for you to share your music with the world, and you should do it through DistroKid. So once again, click that link below. Get 30% off. That's a fairly good amount of savings for your, your uploads for the year. So I would highly recommend it. Okay? All right. It's tool time. Oh, it's tool time. Wait. Tool time? Wasn't that that, that thing that they referenced in Home Improvement? Um wasn't that the name of the TV show? I think so. So no, it's not that kind of tool time. It's this kind of tool time. So where do you even begin on a band like Tool? They were really not like anything else coming out in this time period in 1993. I think this album released, I have it here, is in April of 1993, the exact date, April 6, 1993. This was their debut album, but not to say that they didn't have um, other things out there, releasing um, demos and then an EP called Opiate, um, which is actually the first thing that I ever saw by them but I don't remember if I paid much attention other than the cover of Opiate. But Undertow really, really got all of our attention, especially once the video for Sober aired on MTV. Unforgettable. 
If you watch a lot of my videos and you've seen me since the beginning, one of my earliest TikToks that I made um, about tools sober was me being terrified, putting a blanket over my head. I filmed it in this very same room where I pretended that I was watching TV late at night and just being freaked out by it. And the responses that I got to that video were really interesting. My, my reaction is sober because many people were like, I wasn't afraid or it wasn't scary at all to me and whatever. And I, I just got to say, like, you have to remember where I'm coming from. And when I tell these videos, I'm talking specifically from a young age watching a video like sober late at night, probably against the wishes of my parents. I'm watching something. And while it's a claymation video, it had this kind of disturbing, unsettling feeling. It's hard to explain that because we've come so far since 1993. There's been plenty of movies and content and heavy music and disturbing imagery that comes uh, well after this. But everything is in perspective. And uh, from my point of view, from this time period, where I was, my age, what I was allowed to see, how much I had, had digested in terms of artistic content like this. So I was relatively new. This would turn me into a fan of a lot more of the darker things I gravitated towards um, being prohibited from being able to see horror or things that are unsettling. I think two things happen. Either you you turn away from it or it just entices you even more. And I'm one of those people that it just drew me in. I became obsessed. I wasn't allowed to see certain things, so I wanted them even more. And Tool was something that I did not own this CD or album when it came out because I knew it would be very controversial in my household. And so my earliest listenings of Undertow were usually a borrowed copy. And even then, um, there was something so haunting about it. But that video that I made about sober really does come from uh, that that true experience of watching, whether it was on 120 Minutes or Headbangers Ball, and seeing something that was unsettling. Now, that music video was directed by, um, it was Fred Sturr with the help of Adam Jones, this claymation. If you've never seen the music video, it's this creepy, unsettling, you know, character who's opening up boxes and there's like this meat going through a tube and there's the arms shaking really rapidly things. There's goo. It's just kind of like, what is happening and why am I so freaked out by this? But it's all with the heavy riffs and Mater James Keenan's voice, which when you hear his voice for the first time, it is haunting. He has an excellent singing voice, but there's something about it, something out of body in a way. It sounds like this entity is singing to you, this 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 soul that can't be contained. And I know that sounds like a bunch of hyperbolic nonsense or whatever, but I'm just trying to say, like, when I first heard it, it really, really took me by surprise. And um, it still kind of gets to your bones. It's that kind of singing voice that just digs right in and tears into your bones. Um, that's why this is for... Halloween season, it, it does have that unsettling nature. It just really uh, connects to that for me. So the music video with all those things, the arm shaking, the head shaking, I was like, who is this band tool? And I don't remember where I was. I had this vision, this memory of hanging out with a couple guy friends, maybe for like a sleepover. And one of them in the group having this opiate EP. And I remember the cover of this like monstrous looking priest figure with the multiple arms 
And that in itself was kind of horrific looking. And because of the imagery linking to the church, I'm, I'm sure I was scared and interested as well in that. And I feel like I heard a couple songs off it probably played on a tiny little boom box that had a button that said like super bass, which did nothing, which did jack shit. Right. Remember those those um, those little boom boxes? They would have these like bass buttons, max bass, super bass. I think I still have one. And you would push the button and it would just make everything go like <laughs> it would just sort of like be like the music would be playing and then it would be like <laughs> So, um, but I'm sure I heard the songs in that environment, in that setting. So while I might've been like, cool, nice guitar riff, nice singing, I don't think I really dialed in and and paid much attention to what I was hearing. It wasn't until I heard Sober and then the other song on this album, which was a single, uh, Prison Sex. Now people are very uncomfortable with that song title, but that song is from the perspective of somebody who's been sexually abused and kind of where they go from there. So actually it's a very... Um, fascinating uh, view lyrically on somebody going through that experience, but the song title, it just rubbed people the wrong way. And, and, and so I think that they ended up having to pull that off of MTV. Um, but these were videos that took you by surprise, not only that because they were these claymation um, videos with this style, this haunted style, but it didn't show the band. It didn't show the band at all. So you're hearing this band tool and this is pre-internet and you're seeing these videos, but you're like, who the fuck are these guys? What, what do they look like? Who are they? Who am I dealing with? Are, are, the, are the claymation figures supposed to be the band? What's happening here? And so that kind of mystery really pulled you in. And the style of the video directed by Fred Sturr um, with Adam Jones, who's the guitarist of the band, this was all from Adam Jones, who's in Tool, he was working in the film industry at the time and he had done a lot of the effects for films like Terminator 2 and Jurassic Park. He was working on movies and Fred Sturr had helped direct the Green Jello Three Little Pigs video. And so they worked together to bring this claymation video together. But there was some controversy. Um, there were uh, artists and filmmakers known as the Brothers Quay. Um, what the controversy was, was their style was definitely a huge inspiration for what Adam Jones was wanting to accomplish, knowing their work and being inspired by it. And I think famously there's a video of Kurt Cobain criticizing it being like, you know, being that artwork and style being a ripoff of the brothers Quay. But I, again, I think that there's a lot of, um, when you're creating something and you're inspired by something, I think that the intention was, I love what these guys are doing. I would love to do my own interpretation of it. And so I want to do it in this video. So it's up to you how you look at something like that. But um, I don't think there was any litigation or um, issue between Tool and the Brothers Quay um, over that. But it really, if anything, it probably would have pointed more eyes onto their work as well. And I think that Adam Jones was just really affected by what they did and what they made as an artist himself. Um, but by the way, I've, I've in, dived in really quickly here without even talking about the members of Tool at the time and where they came together. They got together in the Los Angeles area in the late 1980s, around 87. And uh, I think initially it's just Adam Jones and um, Maynard together, Maynard James Keenan playing together. And uh, I think Adam had been in a band with Tom Morello and um, 
they were, and then so he hears some of Maynard James Keenan's vocals and recordings and was just blown away by it. So they start playing music together. And, uh, and then from what I read again, this is where the tool fans may come get me and be like, you're wrong. That's not correct. Danny Carey was living above in an apartment above and ended up joining them because he kind of felt bad for him because they kept having these auditions for musicians to come and play with them and people wouldn't show. And, uh, and he's just like, these guys can't seem to find a drummer or the damn. So I'll play with them. Can you imagine Danny Carey's like one of the greatest drummers ever. I mean, his ability for time signatures and just style and playing is phenomenal. Tool famously is known for having one of the greatest drummers of all time um, in their band. Danny Carey is outstanding. We could all wish that our upstairs neighbor was a drummer that talented who's like, I feel bad for you guys. I'll join your band. Right. Like if that is true, what what fate to have all the stars align and have that person upstairs, very tall person, come down and play um, in Tool and and create the band and the sound that they are, and were very uncategorizable, uncategorizable at the time. Yeah, I said that right. Jeez, it's like one of those words that leaves your lips. You're like, did is that a word? Um, they were very they they had a difficult time putting them where they should be. Cause we had nine inch nails was coming out and, and they were saying like, Oh, it's industrial. And then Nirvana was coming out and they're saying, Oh, it's grunge. But I mean, tool is heavy rock progressive aspects of metal. Um, when they released opiate, the opiate EP, I think they were told by uh, the label zoo that they were signed with at the time, you should put out the heaviest songs. And so that's what they did that was hoping that that would get them their attention. These were songs that they decided we'll put on this EP. So it's like a, it was like an album teaser, but undertow was full of a lot more nuance and a lot more variations and sound and style. And a lot of these songs written um, for undertow were, were written you know, years before this is stuff that they had ready to go when they got into this studio sober, um, went all the way back to a demo that they had called seven, two, eight, two, six. And that predated, um, opiate. And that's, uh, you know, sober had been around for a while in the band. So when they get into the studio and they record undertow with uh, producer, Sylvia Massey, they have a lot of these songs. So it only takes them about three weeks to, to record undertow, which just blows my mind because you, if you've never listened to undertow, that thing is, is incredible. And, and tool would go on to do even more incredible dynamic albums with more, um, interesting time signatures and changes and really next level recording techniques. But the fact that Sylvia Massey, who's, this is like her debut, um, big onto the scene as a music producer. Cause up until this point, she hadn't gotten to know them through the green jello team, which I should get into that. I'm, I'm jumping around a little bit. Um, she got, she had worked with the green jello and that's how she got to know all the members of tool. So this is like what an undertaking to, to put these four musicians and really capture that sound so well. And she did it. She mastered it. It's fantastic. And in three weeks time, you know, that just, that blows my mind. But there's a lot of things famous about the the time period and the, 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 the three weeks that they put this album together. There are a lot of really fascinating things that went into making this album. Um, 
one of the ones that will stand out to you. If you remember back in the days of CDs and ZD players, you will remember the, the bonus track that would lead you to track 69, right? That's the thing disgustipated, which this is something that is, a, I, I've talked about in previous videos, but this is a phenomenon that you don't really get to experience anymore because we just don't digest music the same way that we did when we had the CD era, right? Everything's streaming now. So you just get to the track immediately. But people were putting hidden tracks on albums. That was like a thing that you looked for. You'd, you'd, you'd get that you know album and you'd wait and there'd be something waiting for you at the end, whether it was Nirvana's hidden track or Green Day's hidden track or whoever was doing it. You're excited to hear like, is there something, is there an Easter egg on this album once I'm done with it? And Tool did not disappoint because they did theirs in a very unique way. And if you put it in a, in a CD player or if you eventually one day would put it in your, um, your computer and you could see like all the tracks laid out, you would see that basically after track 10, it would go track 11, track 12 and count all the way up to 69 with one second per track. It would just go like that. And it just climb up. And then on track 68, it would do two seconds. And then 69, there we are. We're on Disgustipated. So that it would be the it would be the 69th track at 69 minutes in 69 seconds. So um, one of the many times that Tool had this hilarious trolling energy behind them. They still have it to this day, just this kind of we want to fuck with you. They just wanted to fuck with everybody, and that's what was so fascinating about this band. They they were dark and mysterious, but they had this sense of humor, this, I'm messing with you. Um, I want to make this into a, a joke, or I want to put something out there that's absolutely meant to be not taken seriously. It's meant to be funny, but yet here's this band that their sound sounds like it's like from the bowels of hell in so many ways. And I don't mean like from the bowels of hell, like heavy metal, like I just mean um, like cool demon energy, <laughs> you know, at least that's what it sounded like at age 14, 15 to me. It sounded like a bunch of cool demons in a band. That's what tool sounded like. Cool demons, not evil demons, like demons with sunglasses on smoking. Um, but that having it be disgustipated had track 69, 69, dude. And on that track, which is all sorts of crazy shit, right? They have the the whole monologue about these are the cries of the carrots for the harvest was their Holocaust. That whole bit. That's going on in there. There's, uh, they had a shotgun where they were shooting um, a piano in the in the recording studio, and they recorded that on Disgustipated right there in that last track. And then there's the voicemail at the end near the crickets, and that was Bill the landlord. Which you know, there's different perspectives. Some say that it was actually the landlord of of uh, of Maynard and and Adam, and that was like the real landlord. And then other people said it was Bill from from Green Jello. Um, so I don't know if it's been confirmed one, one way or the other, but I read both accounts. Um, again, it's like this whole episode I'm preparing for, um, tool fans. I love you. I love the band. Well, I love the band. I'm sure we'd be friends, but I just have so many times I've made videos where it's been like, I even remotely touch on tool 
and you you always deal with uh, with people coming after you if you you slightly mess it up. It's that like that one I did for the um, for the base. That's probably my w- most watched uh, YouTube short, which is the bass players. I mean, a guitarist trying to um, <laughs> guitarist trying to impress their bass player friends. Oh my god, I made that video literally off of an a thought that I had of when I was a guitar player and I was impressed trying to impress my brother and my brother's friend who were bass players and I'm recording it and I do schism because I just think of that signature bass line and I don't even play it correctly in the video, right? I'm just playing schism, like how self-taught, not even looking up like how it's done. And I put it in the video and right before I published the video, I realized that I've only chosen songs from the nineties. And so I'm going to get dozens of comments from musicians and bass players and guitarists are like, you forgot this song from the sixties or seventies or eighties or the two thousands. And after I just started thinking in my head, I was like, all the songs I'm playing on the guitar, I mean, that I'm playing on the bass are from the nineties. So I just really quickly, I put like trying to play songs from the nineties and right away, people were like schism came out in 2000, 2001 or whatever. And they were like, boy, God damn the comments. Sure, impressive. You knew Schism uh, before he they even knew it, or it was even written. And I was like, "Oh my god!" Oh, the specificity of people on the internet is just never. It just never ends. Um, yeah, yeah, it's, it drives me crazy. So I just stopped commenting, stopped responding to things like that. But back to Tool. Let's start. You've heard me talk a couple times about Green Jello, aka Green Jelly, and they have a cool little marriage with tool. Um, I definitely knew about green jello before I knew about tool. I'm pretty sure. Cause I feel like serial killer came out in 1992 and that was like the comedy album amongst me and my friends at that age, you know, three little pigs is on MTV and friends are buying serial killer. I think I had a, again, I was also scared that I was going to get in trouble for that one. And we listened to that album like crazy. And I wouldn't find out until years and years and years and years later that the drumming on that album is Danny Carey from tool. And that a lot of the vocals, especially the three little pigs, um, doing the not by the hair of my chinny chin chin. That is Maynard James Keenan. So the green jello tool crossover, you know, they're, they're working on that album with them. That's how they're getting introduced to Sylvia Massey. And that's how everything's coming together. But that's something I didn't know at the time. Um, and again, there's that sense of humor, that weirdness that you just don't expect from, um, a band that sounds so intense like tool, but it's there. Um, the humor is there, but it, they're an example of when the band was coming out and they were being asked in interviews, like, well, why is, why is the band called tool? And what's, what's the story behind that? And they were telling everybody, they're like, oh, well, it's, it's from the study of lacrimology. Um, you know, it's from this book by Ronald P. Vincent. And they were telling people a story about the study of the study, the science of crying, which is lacrimology. And they were putting that out in interviews and people were like, Oh wow. Wow. And here's the thing. They were trolling. It's like the oldest troll. They were just messing around. They made it all up. There was really no such thing as an author named Ronald P. Vincent who'd written a book on lacrimology, the science of crying. They were doing again, that thing that I just didn't know, you know, trolling and and messing around with people would become an online thing that was almost easier to spot. 
But back then, if you were to mess with somebody or you were to lie and make up a story about something, it was very hard to understand um, that it was a bit or it was a joke or they were messing with you. And this was 100% the band messing with people and interviewers with this idea that Tool was like, oh, it's, you know, we're like a tool, like a tool that we used for lacrimology, the science of crying. And if you go look it up online, I think a lot of um, people have created fake resources of, you know, the the joy of lacrimology by Ronald P. Vincent the, the in Goodreads. And you can find it out there. But it's funny because there are forums that were like that they're talking about it as if it's a real thing. And people are like, no, 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 no. They made this up. This was just a bit. I think years and years later, Maynard James Keenan just said, look, tool is exactly what you think it is. It's a big dick. It's a it's your tool. It's how you use it. There's imagery of a drawing of a wrench uh, that looks very phallic and it says tool on it. And that's some of the early artwork that they had. But that's that's tool right in your face. Um, and that's, you know, so that is if you'd ever heard the lacrimology thing, that's that's just a that's just made up nonsense, um, which is pretty funny. But. Um, this album undertow would have a lot of controversy around the artwork. Um, and that's one of the things that I remember the most about it, which was you'd go to a friend's house, you'd see their, their tool CD and you'd open it up. And first of all, you got this rib cage artwork on the cover, which was created by Adam Jones artist. Um, and then there's all these other things, right? You open it up and there was the picture of the obese woman, the naked man laying there. Um, you lift underneath the disc and there was the, the cow licking his, his own ass, um, licking its own ass. And then you, it just had all these things. And then there was the pig on the back standing on the, on the thing of the forks that said undertow. Um, the pig was a real pet of Adam Jones. It was a pig named Mo. And he did explain uh, that pig. That's the, the closest that pig ever got to a fork. Um, because the pig lived to a ripe old age on a farm elsewhere and, and the shaved words of undertow were a photo uh, correction thing. They were like, they altered it in the photo. So it was done after the fact it wasn't really shaved into the pig. So all these images and, you know, they said, if you, you held up the CD cover and you looked, you could see the, the, uh, the obese woman through the rib cage being held in the rib cage, all these interesting things. And then there were other pieces of artwork like them with like pins in their faces. And anyway, it got controversial. So chains like Walmart and, um, Sam's club or whatever, wouldn't carry it because of that. So they, they re-released a version of it so that it could be carried. And the, it came with this note inside. This was from tool. It said, it came to our attention recently that many stores across our fine and open-minded nation ha, would not stock undertow because of its explicit artwork. Although we loathe being censored. And then the next part there, it said, we want your money. And then it struck through scratch through. And it says, um, we still want you to hear our music. So we took it out. However, it's available to you at no extra cost. Fill out the form, stick it in an envelope, mail it in. We will send you the original artwork. Love tool. And that was a very tool thing to do. Um, but this, that, that album art, that was something that I remember people talking about, you know, controversial things, you know, back then, because we didn't have a way to look things up easily. It was always word of mouth. It was like, oh, did you see the tool coverage? You look in, you look at the liner notes. Um, and this would be a good way to uh, get, get young teenage kids interested in it. 
Um, famously, Bill Hicks, comedian Bill Hicks, was thanked in the liner notes of Undertow. They sent him the album. He contacted them and said, thanks for the music. And then they said, you know, and then somebody let him know that he's in the liner notes as a thank you. Um, and so he didn't even see the liner notes. He just appreciated the music. And then he um, he uh, introduced them at Lollapalooza. Um, I think the bit was he stopped the crowd and said he'd lost a, a contact lens and had people help him look for it. Um, and then there was a lot of talk about collaborations between Tool and Bill Hicks, kind of a mutual respect thing. But uh, Bill Hicks sadly passed away from cancer in 1994. Um, so that collaboration never happened. But um, I was trying to think about any other things. I've talked about the green jello, green jelly. Um, I've said both because if you remember, if you're old, old enough to remember, they were originally green jello, but then they had to change it to green jelly, I think, because jello tried to sue them or something like that. But uh, but with the accenting, it's still pronounced jello. Um, I oh, oh, I, and you probably knew this. This is pretty obvious just from the tone of the voice. But on the song Bottom on Undertow, that's Henry Rollins reading the the poem in there. And interestingly enough, they'd written the the poem to have him read. And then he kind of improvised a little bit while recording it. And they, they left it in the recording. But when Maynard performs it live, he does it differently than Henry Rollins did because Rollins did his own thing and they left it the way that it was. But I remember when I heard that, that was a very Henry Rollins is another person that when you hear him speaking, when you hear his speaking voice, it's like very clearly him. You know, when he released that song, Liar, you're like, oh, there's that Rollins speaking voice. So I remember when I heard this song for the first time, I was like, that definitely sounds like Henry Rollins. And sure enough, it was. But this whole album, start to finish, Intolerance, Prison Sex, Sober, Bottom, Crawl Away, Swamp Song, Undertow, Four Degrees, Flood, and Disgustipated, solid, top to bottom, heavy, rocking, cool album, great feeling, um, and just a, a the beginning, the tip of the iceberg of where they would take us with their with their later albums, Lateralis and Anima, Anima, however you say that letter. Um, but phenomenal musicians. This is the only album that Paul D'Amore is the bass player on. He was playing during this era, but he left the band um, after this album was recorded because he wanted to play guitar. He didn't want to be a bass player, so he left the band. Um, but he's on this album with them, but it's it's Maynard, Adam, um, Danny Carey and Paul D'Amore on tools undertow. Um, I'm sure you've listened to it. I, I bet you everybody who has listened, who listens to my show knows this album knows tool very well, but for, if for some reason you haven't, it's a good place to start. Um, because I think that they have a lot of great albums out there, but this is like a good foundational tool record to start out on. And just the visuals of that album cover really do take you into where it's supposed to be. Maynard famously said in an interview, he said, I, I called it undertow because there's something kind of like powerful about standing on the shore and the idea of an undertow being pulled and dragged underwater and being tossed around a little bit. And that's what he wanted this album to do. And speaking with a visual picture like that, that's exactly how I communicate things. You know, when I show in my videos these kind of visceral human reactions to songs, 
undertow does just that. And so when he describes it like that, I'm like, yes, that is, that is how I see things. That's how I experience this album. It is like an undertow. It does grab you and pull you and whip you around a little bit, you know? And by the time you get to discuss depated at the end track 69, you're just kind of uh, uh, laying there as if you've just made your way onto the shore and you're laying out flat, you know, completely soaked and just exhausted from being whipped around in the, in the, in the shore and you're laying there and you just don't know what to, what to do. And that's, and you're like, that was the undertow. That was tools undertow. Um, so that's the album. I, I think, I think I've covered everything I wanted to. It's hard to know sometimes when I talk on these things that I've talked a little bit too little, a little too much, but, um, I hope everybody's having an awesome October and Halloween. Uh, if you hear this happy Halloween, uh, if you hear this in time, but if I've missed it, then, you know, this is just a cool reminiscing about, um, this album. Uh, thank you so much for always supporting and listening to waterproof records. I can't do this show without you. So thank you for being here and I hope you're sharing it with people. I hope you're mentioning it to others. I do have some fun episodes coming up on the horizon with some more guests Um, I actually have more guests than I can even accommodate. I have many people that I've said, all right, I can't wait to have you on the show. They've said yes. And it's just a matter of scheduling. It's, it's not always easy to get everybody on the show, um, when I want to, but, um, they'll be coming soon, but I love making this show and I can't do it without you. So make sure you're commenting, sharing, letting people know about it. Um, spread the word, come join me on Instagram for the waterproof crew, which is my subscribers. We have good conversations there. I always like to tell, uh, that group of people what I'm working on before the fact. I also share some ideas, some concepts of what I, I have in the queue and I like to get feedback there. So you should subscribe. It's only two 99 a month. Um, but I also have my store, my bonfire store, which has some shirts. I know I mentioned this cool shirt a couple weeks ago, which is a custom one. I'm still working on getting that out. I'm having them send me a prototype. And then as soon as I get the prototype that I can model, I'm going to make a video and hope, hopefully that'll be like my holidays shirt for waterproof records. Um, but anyway, thank you again. I've been your host, Jacob Gibbons. This has been tools undertow. I hope you had a good time. And if you're a diehard tool fan and I missed something that I should have talked about, then by all means, attack me in the comments bring it on. Just kidding. No, be nice. Be nice. If you know anything about me, I don't want to, I don't want to fight. I don't want to fight. So see you next time on waterproof records. Thanks so much. Bye.